Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Little bit of progress, a little bit more progress coming your way about three hours from right now in terms of a football schedule for the Southeastern Conference. Good Monday afternoon. Welcome to a new week on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm, I'm Richard Cross, Brian Haydad. One more day, Will East in for Michael Borky. He will return from vacation tomorrow. And uh, we're glad to have you along. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing, no bull, ceasefire.com. That's the best way for you to get in touch with us. As we go through the show this afternoon, hit us up on the Ceasefire text line. Hope you had a great weekend. Will, what's up on a Monday? Uh, just excited to see some games on the schedule. Uh, a few kind of like uh, the first game of the season, we're going to go with those. But I kind of think the overall strategy was, uh, hey, people are going to watch no matter what because there's so few college games going on this year. So why not throw them a, um, you know, a couple beat um, um, blowouts? Two of the most interesting games out of the gate are the games involving teams from the state of Mississippi. We'll tell you what the uh, seven games are in just a second. Brian, hey, Dad, how are the uh, the tacos this weekend? They were fantastic. Good really, crunchy really shells? Good. Well, no, no. Nice I know, I'm kidding. With you. So, yeah, I'm really, kidding. Really good weekend good. overall? Yeah, great weekend. And uh, be made better by the, the thought of, Etouffee, Gumbo, and Boudin in week one. Yeah, well, there's your uh, a little bit of a tease. At uh, 2 o'clock Central Time on uh, on Paul Feinbaum's show, they cut in, had Dari Noka in the studio. They announced the week one games for the SEC. We're going to get the entirety of the schedule coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. But week one, here they are just in the order in which they were announced. Alabama is at Missouri. Florida is in Oxford to take on Ole Miss. Georgia will make a road trip to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. Kentucky is at Auburn. Mississippi State goes to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. That's on Saturday, September 26th. Tennessee is at South Carolina. And Vanderbilt will open its winless campaign on the road in College Station against Texas Aww. A&M. Right I know, off already? I know. I, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, just on paper, the best game going into the opening weekend is Kentucky at Auburn. Yes. If I'm Auburn, I'm not really excited about opening with that game. I think Kentucky's going to be good. I think they're going to be good on the defensive side of the ball. They got Terry Wilson returning at quarterback. Uh, you've heard us say, as we have occasionally talked some actual football, this may be the most talented roster that Mark Stoops has got, but it is a home game for Auburn. I, but does that matter? Does, does home or away matter? 
That's the this year in the SEC. That's the question. You know, I don't know how many people are going to be at the game. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a packed house. So, you know, I don't know how much it matters. And, and to that end, for Mississippi State, the absolute perfect time to be playing LSU where they'll have the least amount of fans in the stadium in week one where, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. And, of course, both teams are going to be trying to figure things out. I don't think State could have done better than getting you – know, if you, you were going to have to play at LSU at some point, playing them at week one is probably the best-case scenario. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. So you're talking about a Mike Leach offense. You know what Mike Leach offenses have looked like in the past. Uh, he did not have a spring to install the offense. There has not been a traditional fall camp leading up to the start of the season. We're sitting on August 17th, so we're about six weeks away from uh, from football if things continue to progress in the right way. And you're talking about an LSU team that was the class of college football a year ago. They went undefeated. They put up unbelievable offensive numbers. 61 touchdown passes last year for Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow is not there anymore. He's now in Cincinnati. And there are a whole bunch of other guys that were not on that LSU team a season ago. And we'll tell you a little bit later today about a guy who today opted out uh, that could potentially make things a little bit easier for K.J. Costello, Mississippi State, in that offense in game number one. So you said just a second ago, you got to play LSU on the road right out of the gate. Might as well be the time to do it. So much unknown for both of these teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, LSU, new quarterback, new offensive uh, coordinator. They lost some guys on defense, including today they had a guy opt out, uh, one of the, their top secondary guys. You know, and if that's for your Mississippi State, that's good news, right? You, you know, you look at what LSU and, and you know, they, they've got some great players in the secondary. Obviously, Stingley might be as good as they come, but they do have some question marks back there as well. So if any, if any coach could find a way to take advantage of that, it's Mike Leach. I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I think State's going to win that game, but it's definitely interesting to me. Derek Stingley, you mentioned him just a second ago, one of the best corners in the country. I watched a replay, or at least part of a replay last night, of the Florida game against LSU. And Florida, under Dan Mullen, with Kyle Trask for most of that game playing quarterback, Van Jefferson, at least in the second half, they were able to pick on Stingley some. Yeah, now, a bit. he got better and better and better and better, and I don't know that that's the guy that going in, you go, you know what, I think we're going to try and pick on him. That's probably yeah. not the plan you're going in with, but uh, I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit interesting since you mentioned his name a second ago. I I, I would not imagine the game plan says, all right, we're going to attack Stingley and see how, it, see how it goes. Osiris Mitchell, try to get open, see how it, see how it works for you. No, I wouldn't Ole think Miss. that's the game plan is going to open at home at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium against Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators, a Florida team that is picked by uh, most to either finish first or second in the SEC Eastern Division. Kyle Trask returning at uh, at quarterback, and it's a, a team that went 11-2 and last year. I mean, Dan Mullen uh, had them playing really, really well. The only two losses last year in the regular season were uh, the game we were just talking about a second ago uh, against LSU. They uh, they scored an early third-quarter touchdown to go up 28-21 and then were blanked the rest of the way, got beat in that game 42-28. to They lost a one-touchdown game to Georgia 24-17 and then uh, beat Virginia in the bowl game to finish off an 11-2 season. Pretty tall task for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in game number one in uh, in Oxford. Have you seen the line yet? No. Is it out there already? Yeah. Do you want to guess what it is? I'm going to guess that Florida is a 17-point favorite. 
Florida is an eight-point favorite. Really? Yes. So if somebody could uh, get a, a remote at the uh, timeout uh, sports lounge there, I, I, need, I got some bets to place. Okay. What's the, uh, what's the early line on LSU-Mississippi State? LSU is a 26-point favorite. What? Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by both of those. I, I would say State should be a 14-point underdog. I wouldn't have an issue with that. But 26 seems really high. And then Ole, they're giving a lot of respect to Ole Miss. Not that Ole Miss isn't going to be better this year, but I don't know that they're going to be. I mean, if they lose by 10, that would be a. I would be pretty pleased as an Ole Miss fan. Yeah. So, so if I handed you two one hundred dollar bills, and said you got to go bet on Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you can go either way. Hey, Dad, make a quick run to Philadelphia. Go to the sports book at Timeout Lounge. Go see our good, uh, good buddy Chris Hopwood, who we've got to talk to. We got to talk to him about what's going on at the sports book as they get things up and rolling and getting ready for the start of the uh, of the college football season. You would take Florida giving up eight. And you would take Mississippi State getting 26. I feel like I'm okay doing that, yeah. I mean, if State lost 42-21, I wouldn't be – I mean, I'd cover. So, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be really surprised by that. All right, so did where, where did you find the lines? I haven't seen them yet. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted them. Okay. So let's just walk through them. Well, give, give me the lines for all seven SEC games. All right, let me see if I – let me pull him up here. These lines are uh, – where did they go? From, uh, I don't know who this person is, but anyway. Uh, I'm sorry, these are projected opening lines, so maybe I'm, I may be wrong, but he's got... All right, so so uh, the, the lines that he was using came from Colin Wilson, who's a senior writer at Action Network. Okay, so, the, so these are what he projects. He's at least a, uh, you know, a, 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 a semi-expert in the field. I mean, a guy who, who studies sports betting. He's got okay. A&M minus 37 to Vanderbilt. Whew! LS, already mentioned LSU is a 26-point favorite. Arkansas, a 24-point underdog to Georgia. See, that's what I'm talking about. Arkansas is not as big an underdog to Georgia as state is to LSU. I don't know if I buy that. Missouri, okay. a 19-and-a-half-point underdog to Alabama. Auburn, minus 11 on Kentucky. Oh, man, I would be all over the Wildcats for that. You're going to be 11 points against a not-great Auburn team? Yes. Uh, Florida, as we mentioned. And then South Carolina, pick them against Tennessee. That's another... That's something's something's not right. Something smells on that. Tennessee should be at least a touchdown favorite in that. Well, and these are not actual lines yet. Again, these They're are not. projections from somebody, a senior writer at Action Network. But that's what they do. They they operate in this space. I'm assuming those are at least educated opinions. Yeah. Texas A&M a 37 point favorite projected against Vanderbilt. That's a Vanderbilt. big number. Yeah, I mean, 35 nothing. You don't cover. So yeah. I, I, yeah, but, but but fifty four to seven, you do. You There's do, a lot coming do. back on that A and M team. Yeah. A lot coming back on A and M. We got football to talk about, Richard Cross. Let's do it. I like it. We're glad to be with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Just getting started Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East. Be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. It's 
it's rare for us to have a guest on a Monday, usually a lot to cover from the weekend, and there certainly is today, but I wanted to uh, visit with our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bill, really wanted to kind of talk to you about some of what is happening in Big Ten country. That is home for you. You live in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, or in the Columbus area, and the the Big Ten story is just not going away, and we're now having athletics directors and university presidents from different schools popping up and going, yeah, we, we didn't really take a vote on the whole let's shut the thing down, and it feels like there's a lot of backlash coming toward Kevin Warren, uh, the, the relatively new commissioner in the Big Ten, and you got Justin Fields, who is closing in on a quarter of a million signatures on this petition uh, to to get the Big Ten to try and play. What in the world is going on? Well, it's a lot of backlash in the whole. Um, When I spoke last week, I think maybe they jumped the gun a little bit. And the vote thing I I find very curious because all along I heard 12 to 2, and then you saw a report that was 8 to 6, and now they didn't vote at all. So it's an insurrection of sorts. It's going to damage the PR for the conference, and it's going to hit even harder if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 play this year. Yeah, and I I know you mentioned that, and maybe I didn't let that soak in as much as I should have when you said that. I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday when we talked. But for, for a college football fan, and you've talked a lot about the passion of Ohio State fans and how they absolutely fit in with the SEC. So when you get to the last Saturday of September and you flip it on and Kentucky and Auburn are playing each other, and Ole Miss and Florida are playing, and Mississippi State and LSU are playing, assuming that actually happens, how big of a gut punch and and what's the level of anger going to be among Ohio State fans, Penn State fans, Wisconsin fans, Michigan fans? High. Very high. I mean, we we I did a in jest article over the weekend of, you know, which fan base should Big Ten fans adopt in the SEC and you know, Ohio State, you said it. They're basically an SEC school in terms of institution development and action. I think if Ohio State played in the SEC, they obviously wouldn't win it every year, but they would compete every year, no doubt about sure. it. Um, and then Michigan, Nebraska, and Penn State want to play too, and those are your biggest brands. So imagine if the SEC canceled today and you had Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and a couple others all speaking in unison against the decision that Greg Sankey would have made. And I think that's why, to me, and I said it to you last week, it's just the thought of watching a game on September 26th in another conference, knowing that there's not a Big Ten game, it's it's going to be really bitter up here for a while if that happens. I just got to be honest with you. I, I know Greg Sankey serves at the will of the presidents and, and has a contract. But I think it would be hard for the commissioner of the SEC to maintain his, his job if if the inverse of what we're talking about were happening. If the SEC had said, you know what, we're, not, we're just going to shut it down, not, not even going to try, and yet the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were all playing. I, I, I don't know how Greg Sankey could overcome that. Can Kevin Warren overcome it? Well, I, I, in Columbus, he may never overcome it if they don't play because, again, Ohio State sat there with a national championship caliber team. Only yeah. team with the returning Heisman finalist. Depth on the defensive front. When we did our top 40 players, they had four guys in the top 40 and one that I probably should have put on there in their center. Um, they didn't have a loss on their schedule. They weren't going to lose a Big Ten game. And I think they're never going to let 
Kevin Warren here at the end of it. Michigan, same deal. Huge brand. Nebraska, you saw this back-and-forth spat with them last week. It's really going to lead to some bitter, angry, disappointed fans, especially if the SEC and the ACC take the field in September. And the and, NFL and can cover that hole, right? You have the, you don't have the NFL in some SEC states. They have it here. The Browns, Steelers, Bengals, it's not going to fill that void. Hmm. And and we, we've got to cross a bunch of bridges between now and September 26th to actually get these games. So that that is the big if that is hanging out there. But there's also time, and that's the thing that was puzzling to me, and I think to you as well, is why the Big Ten, I mean, the pac is kind of out there doing their own thing, but why the Big Ten didn't take advantage of the fact that there was some time. Is there any chance that as a conference there's enough pressure on the league office that they walk the decision back and say, look, we're just going to take a dose of humble pie here. We may still not be able to play, but we're going to try. But we're going to take advantage of the time. We're going to take advantage of some advances in testing that are, are coming out, and we're going to give it a shot. Is there any scenario where that happens now? I feel like it's virtually impossible just because you shut everything down already, and then to pick it back up, you'd already be behind. Um, and you're talking about people in power admitting they were wrong, and that's always tough to do. Um, again, and we talked about this last week too, that it becomes a mute point if – the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 cancel. And if you look at the developments like Greg Byrne calling out Alabama students or what's going on at the University of North Carolina right now, um, yeah. that's not out of the realm of possibility. Because, again, Richard, I guess we're banking on uh, 18 to 22-year-olds to be responsible. And I can't say I was the most responsible person at that age. I'd be the last person to talk down to an 18 to 22-year-old at that point. But um, the point stands. Yeah, and, and to me, one of the interesting things we're, we're going to hear from Lane Kiffin earlier this afternoon. You know, he was asked, "Is there a specific number, you know, where X number of positives causes you guys to have to shut things down?" And he said, "Nah, it's kind of up to the medical people. I stay out of that. I don't know enough about it." So certainly, he dodged the question. But I guess that's the question that everybody's having to ask, right? You mentioned North Carolina a second ago. They've already shut down in-person classes and have gone to all virtual for the entire semester. So. I, to, to me, the question is, and I'm, I'm curious if you've talked to anybody that you know kind of supports this idea, are we de facto about to have all of these teams operate in bubbles? I mean, they might have to try it. Um, and, you know, the NFL's had some success with that. I mean, I've been able to watch some NHL um, and NBA. I, I haven't watched a lot of NBA. I'm not a huge NBA fan until the finals, I guess. And that's fine. But, I mean, they've had success. Uh, they've been able to do it. Um so I think that's something to be considered. I mean, college, there's a lot more moving parts. And, again, you're dealing with student-athletes. But if they're taking online classes anyway, I think it's doable. Yeah. Haven't had a lot of time to digest it yet. Only, uh, I guess, about an hour or so since the uh, opening week game matchups were announced for the uh, for the SEC. Is Kentucky at Auburn the one that stands out to you the most? That's a fun game. The Mississippi State at LSU. Uh, you know, Mike Leach's first game down there against a team coming off a national championship with a new quarterback. That could be a little bit of fun. Um, you know, Missouri, Alabama, I chuckled at that like everybody else. But uh, that that's where we're at. I mean, I am excited to see the schedule. It will be football on paper. You'll at least have the three Power Five schedules on paper, and that's something I look at when I try to break down games and those kind of things. And 
Richard, maybe there's that chance you and I can just talk about X's and O's in a couple games here in a few weeks. You never know. That would certainly be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, Dad was pointing out a second ago, from a Mississippi State perspective, yes, they haven't had practice, whatever. But if you got to get LSU, probably getting them right out of the gate is as good a time as any, isn't it? Yeah, because I don't, you know, coaches are going to talk about this a lot, I think, when they do play. That Remember that game last year between Miami and Florida that they played early? Yep. It was an exciting game, but it was a really ugly, bad football game. I think that's going to happen where we don't care because it's football, but I think coaches to that coach's eye are going to talk a lot about that, how it's not as clean as they want it to be, how it's not as technical as they want to be, the penalties, turnovers, and that's going to be a product of not having the practices that they needed. And I think that's bound to happen. And like you said, if you're Mississippi State, yeah, you're playing them, but at least you're doing it early. Whereas, you know, that's what the NFL is anymore because they hardly play in the preseason. A lot of those teams kind of just throw that first month out the window. Isn't that, as college football fans, what we just have to accept, though, this year, is that, look, it's not about the quality of the play. It's about starting games and finishing games and getting to the next week. Yeah, and I think just getting the next season, you know, and getting all of us through COVID and hoping that by the end of this year we have a vaccine and we have better protocols and we have the testing means necessary to – have a full season. That's my biggest hang-up on the spring season. I was talking about this earlier today, that you can talk about a spring season and try to schedule six to eight games, but I think once you get to the number 20, as in you're asking student-athletes to play 20 full-go games in a calendar year, that gets a little bit dicey because the NFL players don't play more than 20 in a year. No. Well, and we talked about your story that, that you wrote after Jeff Brom's proposal came out last week, and it's like just the more medical people weigh in on this, and I heard Reese Davis talking about it earlier this afternoon. He said it's not so much the, the injuries in the spring you're worried about, it's the following fall that scares the heck out of everybody. Right. You know, you want to try to get that full season in, and hopefully we're able to do that. And, you know, from a standpoint of rest and, and those kind of things, it's tough to play a and then a half or a half season and a full season, and it's really a dicey proposition for student athletes. I'm not totally close to it because spring football, on its surface, is not the most exciting thing in the world, unless you're a fan of your team, right? Like old Miss sure. fans, you're not overly concerned with Alabama and Auburn spring practice. That's the only alert to it. Bill, you're the best. Appreciate you working us in this afternoon. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll be right back. to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East with you on this Monday afternoon. Borky will return tomorrow. We are glad to have you along. I got some audio I want to play for you. This was from CNBC, which, by the way, is not where we normally go to bring you audio for Sports Talk Mississippi. But 
I think this is fascinating because of what we're talking about, what we're looking at. Everybody's talking about COVID and talking about testing and the need for more testing and faster turnaround times and getting results in a, a faster fashion and making it work and it not being so incredibly expensive. Right, hey, Dad? So, so I mean, yeah. testing has been a constant drumbeat for five months now since the NBA shut down on March the 12th. So... Let's go to CNBC. Dr. Scott Gottlieb was on with one of the morning shows, and you may have heard the news about a new saliva test. So we, we, we started out with the testing where they had to take the uh, cotton swab and jam it up your nose and tickle your brain with it. And we've gotten some progress since then. You get the rapid result test where it's just kind of a, a nasal swab, so to speak. Now they're talking about the possibility of a saliva test and making this quickly and readily available. Listen in. Uh, look, can you discuss the significance of that new saliva test that was approved by the, the FDA? Well, I think it's highly significant. This is a test that um, you, is a saliva sample, so you don't need a nasopharyngeal sample. It's also been cross-validated on just about every popular platform for doing testing. Um, and it also doesn't require a complex st step to do RNA extraction, basically to get the RNA out of the sample. So it's easy to use. It's unlikely to be um, in limited supply because of shortages in, this, in the testing supply chain. It's sort of orthogonal to the testing supply chain. So it's something that we can roll out on a very wide fashion. The other thing that we're going to be seeing coming onto the market in the coming weeks, I believe, are lateral flow tests, which are very common in other countries. These are basically pieces of paper, much like a pregnancy test, where you put a, a sample on a piece of paper and you drop some liquid on the paper and you get a result in 10 or 15 minutes. These can be very cheap. They can be manufactured at huge scale. I'm talking tens of millions of, of pieces of paper a month that you can manufacture or test kits that you can manufacture. And they can be rolled out in places like schools and businesses to allow testing um, at the point of care and at the point of employment or the point mm -hmm. of education. So I think it can make testing much more ubiquitous. Well, how, how quickly can we roll something like that out, as significant as it sounds with the school year looming? I think we're going to see a lot of these innovations come on the market within the next month um, very quickly. You're seeing a lot of them right now being submitted to FDA. You see people talking about it on Twitter, some of the um, academic experts and manufacturers who have submitted it. So just like the saliva test, I think all, this is going to happen all at once. What's, what you're going to see is a lot of this innovation come on the market all at once. This has been worked on for months, and it takes time to move this through the development process. But I think we're coming at the point right now that you're going to see a real explosion in testing opportunities, and you're not going to be so dependent upon lab-based testing, which is what's been in short supply. So interesting stuff there. A saliva-based test that has already been approved by the FDA and this paper-style testing that he said was you know, similar, if you think about it, to a pregnancy test where you, you, you put the sample on a piece of paper and then add some liquid to it and you get a test result pretty quickly. He, he said possibly within the next month, hey, Dad, we're beyond a month from the start of the college football season. And so as this, I mean, can we call it, medical technology continues to develop? It's got to be good for sports. I mean, I don't see how it's it's bad. Now, granted, he used some big words there that I don't quite know what the meaning of them are. So I just have to assume it's all positive. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it sort of goes back to what you were just talking about with, with Bill Bender that – and we talked about it last week, is the Big Ten, man, they pulled the plug way too early on this. Too soon. They could have they could have canceled. It feels like, you know, TV marketing, cancel at any time. 
But they could have waited a few weeks and just to see what's going on, and instead they've pulled the plug, and I agree with Bill. I don't think they can bring it back. And it's it feels like you know we're starting to see some developments that could be positive. So, yeah, that's that's that all sounds good for sure. Do you do you agree with Bill on not being able to bring it back because of logistical concerns because they've shut it down and now you'd be behind, or do you think it's more that ego play that he was talking about? There's definitely a concern of 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 that, of terms of uh, preparation, things like that. But I would say it's 90% ego. I mean, no, you can't, you can't walk. Gotta be. They've only been shut down for a week and they didn't send anybody home. They're going to straight up just say, yeah, the guys in the SEC were right. I want, I want to, you know, I have not, I have tried to stay off the idea that there are writers who, who sort of want the season to not happen. I don't think that's the case. But there have been some people who have clearly taken the Big Ten side in all this, and to have to read their articles would be a pleasure, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like Chick-fil-A up in that mug. I'd be like, that's my pleasure. It is my pleasure. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Somebody says it's because players want to be paid in the Big Ten, I, I don't think that's Connect the case the so much dots. in the Big Ten when you got the players who are beating the drum to let us play. Well, I mean, I, I, I they want to play. I think they did. They I don't think they believe <coughs> that when they presented their demands that the Big Ten's first thought was we got to pull the rug out from underneath this. You know, they they didn't do that. They thought they were just making some demands, and you know, they thought their voice could be heard, and the Big Ten totally panicked. And decided, oh, we got to we got to nip the, nip it in the bud, and and went from there. So, yeah, I still say it, it's not a coincidence. And you can black helicopter me all you want, feel free. But every bit as much of the reason for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 shutting down mm-hmm. was the fear related to the player demands and kind of the social justice upheaval. Every bit as much as the fear of COVID and myocarditis. Uh, I mean, I was, I was talking with a, a friend over the weekend, and he said, look, he said, I got a good buddy that's a cardiologist, well-respected cardiologist. And I asked him, what's all the myocarditis stuff? And he said, it's BS. He said, no, it's a serious condition. But the idea that this is popping up there solely as a reason, um, you know, solely because of COVID, there, there are lots of viruses that can cause inflammation of the heart. There was a, a Twitter thread, I want to say Saturday night, from a couple of doctors across the pond. And, again, I, I, I'm not smart enough to really understand what they were reading, but the the overall gist was if anybody's using this data, to justify things that they're wrong. And what they were showing was this paper that a lot of Big Ten people have pointed to as as showing the the uh, the, the the risk of myocarditis. And they're basically like, these are horribly skewed. This paper should not be taken seriously. And you have all these Big Ten people pointing to it. So, eh, I mean, I just, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree that there is something at play beyond player safety. Again, I can't justify player safety with the idea of playing two seasons in one year. Those those ideas don't work in my head. 
So it, player safety is not the, the big concern for the Big Ten, in my opinion. You can be a Clay Travis fan or not. That's fine. I mean, I know he's just too much for, for a lot of people. I pointed out when we were talking last week, I pulled up an electoral map, and we were looking at the, the conferences that were agreeing to play football and the conferences that were shutting it down, and it very much followed the way the votes went in the last presidential election. This tweet uh, tweet from Clay Travis yesterday. High school football. States with Republican governors playing high school football this fall. 25 out of 26. States with Democrat governors playing high school football. 7 out of 22, with 2 still undecided. How do you say it's not a political issue at this point? It's... It is a political issue. There, there's no question about that. I mean, it, politics has interjected itself in this virus basically since day one, um, you know, for good or bad. Um, but, yeah, when you look at those numbers and you look at those the, the, that, that, that chart or whatever you want to call it, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious wh- wh- what's going on there. There's no question about that. And, and then the other thing that we got, you know, the, the Big Ten used that, that specific report that has now been questioned, and apparently it was a flawed testing method and the analysis of the report was flawed that the Big Ten used kind of as their rationale to uh, to shut it down. There was a doctor from that part of the country who apparently is not a football fan, but he was asked to kind of interpret the results of the test and uh, the study that they were using to uh, kind of prop up the decision to postpone. The doctor said, I don't know what a Big Ten wa- is, but they got some bad information. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what a Big Ten is, but that's some bad information. Not great. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Quick first hour. We will wrap it up. We'll peak. I've already got one NBA playoff game today that is done. What is this, the opening day of the NCAA tournament? 11 a.m. tournament game tipping off. It's kind of what it feels like. Got one in action right now as well. We'll get you up to date with the scoreboard next. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but some really encouraging numbers today, and really over the last week from the Mississippi Department of Health in terms of new cases of COVID-19 in Mississippi. And you got to remember, these numbers are trailing. Will, are we saying they're trailing a week or they're trailing two or three days? Is there a solid answer on that? Not necessarily. We know the numbers are trailing. But today... The new cases that the Mississippi Department of Health put out as of yesterday when they closed their reporting deadline, 276. Yesterday, 381. Now you go back to Friday and it was 825. 
944 on Thursday, and you would expect the numbers to be larger once you get into the week. But in terms of trending in the right direction, I mean, hey, Dad, last week we talked a little bit about, okay, the numbers are trending the right way. So I'll give you so, so one week earlier than where we are right now. Is, is the number higher or lower? So we got to go back to the uh, uh, the ones that were as of August 9th, 276. I'm sorry, 476. So last Monday, we were looking at 476, which was coming from the weekend. We are 200 fewer cases today in terms of new cases reported as of the previous day than we were a week ago today. That's good. That's, cer- that's certainly good news. Now, that said... I would expect the spike in the next week or so because of everybody coming back to college. You're going to see some positive cases with that. But those are going to be college kids who, by and large, <clears throat> should either be asymptomatic or, or suffer minor symptoms. They shouldn't have the, the, the major league problems. So, you know, that's going to happen. I think everybody sort of planned for that and expected it. That's why I was really surprised this weekend to see a lot of the uh, the response to, you know, oh, showing the, the bars downtown and everything like I, I don't get mad when the sun rises or when the sky's blue because that's what I expect to see. I expected to see packed bars these week this past weekend and start Velox for Tuscaloosa everywhere else. So I think there'll be a little bit of a spike over the next couple of weeks. But that's the point of playing the season at September 26th is you've got time to get through all that. Yeah. It's almost like if you're in a college town, you had to brace for the return of students, know that they were going to come in and they were going to kind of act stupid for a couple of weeks, and then hopefully they will get their heads screwed on safely. And by the way, that's not a shot at college students. It's just the reality of right. what was going to happen. I, I am not uh, – Bill said earlier when we were talking to him, he's like, I'm not going to talk down to an 18- to 22-year-old. I did plenty of stupid stuff. I'm the same one. Like, like I'm so weary of the people, oh, the college students are coming back. It's going to mess everything up. Stuff. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, true. College students are what give our small college towns life. Yeah, you know, as, as much uh... – uh, crap as they took this weekend. I don't think those uh, bartenders and restaurant owners were upset to see those guys. Uh, no. No. Absolutely not. And I don't know if you were out and about um, in Starkville this weekend, maybe a little bit. I mean, it sounds like you were a little. Mm-hmm. You just notice a different energy. I mean, school started today at Mississippi State. It starts a week from today at Ole Miss. But people have been moving in for the last you know week. And you know that's continuing to happen over the next couple of days, but there's just a new life and an energy that doesn't exist without those, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand additional people in town. It was described to me as this that uh, even though the traffic's bad on Highway 12, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is fair. Um, Lane Kiffin met with the media for the first time today as practice begins. We will play some of the question and answer from uh, In This New World, his Zoom call Monday press conference. I think we will have the same thing for you tomorrow from Mike Leach. Is it tomorrow or Wednesday for Mike Leach? We talked to Mike Leach on Tuesday, so we'll have that audio on Wednesday. Okay, so you will talk to him after practice on Tuesday, and then we'll get the audio on Wednesday. Uh, there was one significant opt-out today for Ole Miss, and that is uh, center Eli Johnson. Uh, you may remember Eli's dad, David Johnson, had an extremely serious fight with uh, COVID and has come out on the positive side of things. 
Uh, but Eli is opting out, says that he will finish his graduate degree in December and is uh, finishing up. Lane Kiffin addresses that, and uh, we'll play that for you coming up in a little while. We've also got winners and losers coming up. Your chance to uh, let us know what you liked from the weekend and what you didn't like from the weekend. What did you see that qualifies as a winner, and what did you see that qualifies as a loser? You can text those to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour with you Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky is out. We'll East in for him. And Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line open 601 879 Sorry, if you want to be part of the conversation. Time right now. For winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Quite literally a winner from earlier today, Denver, 135-125 over Utah in overtime. So a 10-point overtime win for the Nuggets over the Jazz in Game 1 of the NBA playoffs from the bubble. Uh, Donovan Mitchell for Utah went for 57 in the game. Jamal Murray had 36 to uh, lead the way for the Nuggets. They outscored Utah 20-10. to in the uh, overtime period and go up one game to none in that series. Toronto is blowing Brooklyn out of the water. They are not to halftime yet, 62-35. Raptors leading it over the Nets. Coming up later tonight, Philadelphia and Boston, game one of their series. And then what should be a fun series, Dallas and the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. I I don't know that Dallas can beat the Clippers, but uh, I think it can be fun, maybe even a lot of fun to uh, watch uh, I don't know how deep that series goes. Maybe it goes six six games. I goes six. That'd be really cool. I don't know if Hey Dad believes it'll go six or not, but uh, we'll see. Mm. All right, Mister Hey Dad, let's uh, let's start. Give me some winners. I'll do you one. I'll do you a favor here. The New York Yankees are the winners. Mm-hmm. They've won uh, what five in a row. They've uh, yep. taken took three this weekend, and they've got another game tonight with the Red Sox. Who, if we want to just double up here, could easily be quantified as losers. Uh, this so far in this young baseball season, Yankees are playing pretty well. They they might be the best team in baseball. Uh, I I just like the way they're playing right now. Yeah, they uh, they've been pretty special. They're hitting a lot of home runs. When I when I go through and look at the box score, it's like I just scroll th- scroll through the scoring to see. It's like oh wow, they only hit two home runs in the game tonight. That, that's surprising. It was only two, and it's like a different guy every other inning. So they got a bunch of guys that are swinging it pretty well. Up and down the lineup. How about the St. Louis Cardinals? They actually played baseball this weekend, 
and uh, and won some games. After playing only five games in the first month of the season, the uh, Cardinals got it to four and four. They were two and three after their uh, their five game start. So a uh, not a bad return for the uh, Cardinals. They will play the Cubs. First pitch of that game is about six minutes away, and uh, kind of cool to see the Cardinals back up and rolling. I'm feeling better about this Major League Baseball thing. It's like they've kind of hit their stride. They've figured out the testing piece. They're being less stupid. You now have everybody back playing games again, and it feels like, well, we may be able to play for a little while. They didn't Big Ten it. They didn't just go and cancel it at the first sign of trouble. Not one postponement on the schedule tonight. That's good things. Good things right there. That is uh, spectacular. You got another winner? Uh, it looks like the SEC is going to be a winner. I mean, on top of, you know, right now it feels like football's coming. I mean, the way they're handling this, I mean, they're getting, they are really getting the most out of this content orange. They are squeezing it for all it's worth. We had the, you know, everybody getting excited about the week one thing. When we go off the air, we'll find out the full schedules. Uh, the SEC, you know, and, and as we are all starved for content in the SEC, and since they hold the cards on this, they've done a good job of marketing it. Do you think that they're going to kind of yin and yang on the schedule? Like if you have a relatively easy game in week one, that you're probably going to get popped with a, a tough opponent in week two and then vice versa? So so Mississippi State Al- goes Alabama. to LSU. Yeah. Do you think they get Vandy at home in week two? Possibly, or something like, just to go the other way with that, maybe since Alabama's at Missouri and Georgia's at Arkansas, maybe that's the week two game is Alabama-Georgia. Mm. Could be. Yeah, because it was originally scheduled for week three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, I'm going to tell you what I believe, although I do not have it confirmed with multiple sources. I believe that Mississippi State and Ole Miss mm-hmm. will be played on the the week of the calendar where it was originally scheduled. So I still think it is going to be played on Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. It may not be played on Thanksgiving night, and it will not be the final regular season game for either team as scheduled. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Jibes with what I'm hearing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it potentially could still be played on Thanksgiving night. Right. But... Given the way the season is compact and we don't, you know, shortening weeks may not be a good idea this year for, for anybody if you don't have to. And so it's possible that they uh, they step away from that. So the first time since 01. To what? To not play the Egg Bowl the final game of the season. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying since Thanksgiving night. I was like, no, there's been a bunch of times. Oh, no, no, no. no yeah, yeah, plenty of times. Since, since then. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and 2001 was obviously because of the uh, the tragedy of 9/11, where there was an extra game added to the regular season. So you could have one, potentially two games after the Egg Bowl, Possibly, depending on how things play happens. out. Yeah, no question. Yeah, one would be regularly scheduled, mm-hmm. and one then makeup kind of game. That 12th, December the 12th, is kind of slotted in as an open date for everybody, right. with the plan to play the SEC championship game on the uh, on the 19th. Yeah. A loser? Just kind of a uh, tough I'm gonna, deal. I'm sorry, go ahead. You got, you got one? Go ahead. I, I do. 
Um, tough deal for Southern Miss. Yeah. Jacques Turner, three-time All-Conference USA defensive lineman, is opting out of this season for COVID reasons and is going to exercise his right to be a graduate transfer. 13 tackles for loss last year. E. That's a tough loss for Southern Miss. Yeah, big loss for them. Uh, a guy that they were probably counting on a great deal. And I mean, like I said, not only to to lose him, but to uh, <coughs> you're losing him for good. He's he's going to transfer out. So, yeah, not not a not a great thing for him. You got a loser? Uh, you know, I was going to go with the Giants. They played really poorly this weekend, but I'm going to go with myself because I was looking forward to going to a high school football game this weekend. I was going to go to St. Al versus uh, Hartsfield, or Hartsfield Academy, and then right. I was really excited to find out that game is being played in Memorial Stadium, of all places. That is correct. Uh, so I was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't been there since I was a kid. But then I found out the MAIS is indeed a, a uh, underneath this uh, two, per, two fans per participant and I don't have a son or a daughter, uh, obviously, on a team or on the cheerleading squad, so going to have to miss out on that one. I wanted to well, go. Well, hold on. Hold on. I could go do you with know, media. Do, I was going to say, you know what's not included in the two-person is media. I mean, you could go and cover I, the I game as a that, media member. But I was wanting to go with a couple of friends. I don't want to just go. Oh, well, I can't down. help you there. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Do, I'm not. I'm first, first off, if I did get in as a media member, I would be, you know, sort of remiss. I would not be covering the game. There would be no, no live tweeting, no, no story afterwards. I, I guess I could keep an eye on Brandon Burkhalter, the uh, wide receiver for Hartfield, that's uh, committed to Mississippi State. But beyond that, no. So, obviously, well, now you really can't do it because not only have you said I've got two buddies that are trying to go too, but you've ratted yourself out that you wouldn't actually be media even if you got exactly. in as media. Exactly. Which would have been okay. You just would have needed to kind of keep that to yourself. Right, right. So I guess I'll, I'll just I'll just miss out. So have you made Sucks new so, plans what? for the weekend already? Uh, I mean, I was just I was going to go see my mom this weekend. I'll just instead of getting there late Friday, I'll get there a little earlier. There you go. There I was you looking go. forward to going to Memorial Stadium, though. I haven't been the last time I went to Memorial Stadium. State wasn't even playing. I saw Ole Miss and LSU in 1992. You were at that game Halloween night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there. Ole Miss beat the crap out of LSU that night. That 32 to nothing, game. I think. Yeah, something like that. LSU was not good that year. They had beaten State earlier that year, of course, but that's just how it went. That was the uh, was the first game I ever saw in Memorial Stadium. Oh, yeah. that was the, uh, that's the last game I ever saw in Memorial Stadium. So. Yeah, I was, uh, I was back for it? Ole Miss and VMI a couple of years later. I'm about to say, yeah, I knew they played there again. State never, yeah. State never played there. After the 1990 Egg Bowl. Never went back. Really? That was the last time State played in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole Miss had the, uh, they had the deal where they played VMI and Jackson. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years after that, and it was a money thing, they played two home games at the Liberty Bowl. They played Arkansas yeah. as a home team at the Liberty Bowl. And they played Tennessee on a Thursday night at the, at uh, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis as well. I was at that game. I think Ole Miss lost both of those games. Madre Hill had a long run in that Saturday afternoon game against Ole Miss and uh, the Liberty Bowl. All right, we'll get to some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line up next. Text them to us, 601-879-4395.
Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Continuing winners and losers with you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Brian says, loser, nose-to-brain swab, should have had saliva tests the whole time. Um, All right, I'll share this story. So, hey, Dad, have you coughed in public or sneezed in public recently? Uh, I have, yeah. I haven't gotten the stink eye or anything over it. I haven't gotten the stink eye, but it's a weird feeling. So I've got a little bit of like a, I don't know what you describe, a little chest cold or something. Yeah, okay, so there, there's your there's your reaction. And I had a little bit of a cough this weekend. And I was really careful to you know wear a mask and cover, but, but I was, I, I had a trip planned with some friends that had been planned for a long time. And there's a couple of guys that were older than me, and we were going to play golf this weekend. And so completely out of an abundance of caution, like n- at no point in my life would I have gone to the doctor for, you know, just some kind of junk in your chest or throat, you know, sinus stuff, whatever. It's like I'm a late summer cold. I know you can hear my voice sounds funny right now. Yeah. So I went and took one of the rapid tests. An altogether pleasant experience. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not even being silly when I say that. <clears throat> As I clear my throat. Excuse me. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. No, so I went and saw um, that there is a, a family clinic in Water Valley that I knew had the rapid test. So I went and saw Dr. Webb in Water Valley, which is, you know, 20 minutes from my house. And she and her staff were unbelievable. They just... Couldn't have been any nicer, and everything was clean and in and out. I mean, the whole thing, from the time I pulled up to their door until the time that I left, which you can't do this for, like, a flu shot, less than 30 minutes, scheduled it in advance, and they, and I, I had no idea what kind of test I was getting. I didn't know what they were going to do. So I said, so are we doing the whole, like, go scratch my brain with a Q-tip thing? They're like, no. Like, just need you to blow your nose, but then don't wipe. Okay? To just kind of loosen everything up, and then they just stick a little Q-tip in there, just kind of swirl it around, sample off. Rapid test, 15 minutes back, negative, congratulations, be on your way. Great, thanks. So it's really not that, apparently the whole testing thing is getting a whole lot better, is what I'm saying. That's good. You should expect that, though. I mean, Of course you should. Yeah, this is America. Things, things, you know, as as the days go by, you figure out more stuff. Yeah. So I'm putting Dr. Webb on my winner's list, by the way. Just not Very my good. voice or my coughing. <laughs> That's no. on the, the loser's list side of things. Um, <laughs> Richard and Wiggins says you would be better off passing gas in public these days. It's true. Um. Somebody says loser, the magnolia bloom. I'm assuming that's a state flag text. Yeah, I think so. The the 
so you can go vote right now on nine of the flag designs and right uh you know several of them look okay you got that shield crest thing on there that a lot of people like i think it's the leading one i think it had 27 percent of the vote last time i checked that was earlier today the great river flag the great river flag is what it's called and then there's uh there's one on there that's a magnolia tree like a drawn magnolia tree and they've got both a blue one and a green one and it's kind of i don't hate it at all what i don't hate that one it's growing on me Mm. Uh, now, now the the Great River Flag. Here, here's the one that bothers me. The and and I know there are a lot of people who have kind of pointed this out. The the one where we're when the wind blows one way, it's Mississippi on the right and Louisiana Arkansas on the left, and then when the wind blows the other way, it's like a perfect outline of the state of Alabama. I'm like, hold on now, let's work. make this about I us instead of, of them if it's okay. That's not gonna work. Somebody said if you look at the outline closely, it also kind of looks like a, one of the uh, Simpson characters' faces. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't think that ultimately the uh, – well, and he said the magnolia bloom. I mean, the Evidently, green flag and the blue flag that you're talking about are like magnolia trees. According to our, the, the, the text line, people are having some issues with the magnolia being having ties to the Old South. Oh. Uh... What? But what's the, the so then? What, well, I mean, are we gonna not because it existed state? then. I mean, yeah. What's what's the tie? There are magnolia trees in front of some plantations. Yeah. Hmm. That said, the, the 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 flag I would vote for is not doesn't have a magnolia on it, so I'm not too terribly worried. Which one would you vote for? The the Great River flag. Yep, I'm with you. So that's the one I've sold myself on that one. Yeah, I, I don't get the whole the, the the old South thing. I mean, I don't even know what that means. Like, when slavery existed in the South, so did the magnolia tree. Like, that's the old South. All trees existed. As I, did the river. Yeah, the river. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Paved the state. Just parking from here to New Orleans. This just might. Um, this might fall into the loser category. Nothing's going to make everyone happy. We're about to go down a list of BS about all the things that you have to change because it offends so many people. And and we, you know, sort of what we talked about with the, with the state flag thing is, you know, there's there's going to be a line somewhere. The magnolia might be it. That might be the line. That might be like, you know what? Now you're being ridiculous. We're not going to change that. Or could wake up in a few months and. Mississippi has officially become the hospitality state, no longer the uh, the uh, the Magnolia state. Don't know. I thought we were already the hospitality state. I thought we were officially the Magnolia state. I could be yeah. wrong. Jeff has, says uh, the Southern Miss football team is on his winners list. They had a scrimmage this weekend, and they actually tackled each other. They played football in Hattiesburg. It's good stuff. Ole Miss. Practice By the way, Frank today, Gore Jr. Yeah, Frank Gore Jr., according to uh, my Southern Miss informant by the name of Luke Johnson, yeah, had uh, 67 yards on six carries. He can be an early entrant into the NFL draft as a junior. He might have a chance to play with his dad. <laughs> play three Maybe. More years. Maybe. Mike in Oxford says, Greg Byrne is my loser for claiming folks in Tuscaloosa didn't want football. Here's one. Loser. Dan Woken. Rinse and repeat. 
Winner can't think of one. I love that he didn't even give a, a, a reason for Dan Woken being a loser. Just, yes. I'm good with that. Well, the way he's uh, sort of walked back his thoughts on bubbles is sort of, you know. Now, now far be it from me, because what do I always say? You know, you're allowed to change your mind. But when you get new so information, adam- it's okay to change. Yeah, when you're so adamant, especially with, I don't know that they had new information. Like, the idea of the bubble made sense from day one. If you could just get the players to agree to it, the idea of, you know, quarantining everybody, how does it not make sense? But he was adamant that it was not only not going to work, but that it was a dumb idea. So, I don't know. You don't have to push me too hard to put Dan Wolken on that list, though. Dan Wolken's a dumb idea. <laughs> one after another. <laughs> Greg and Nettleton says, SEC, brother, it just means more, and it's fixing to mean a whole lot more if they were playing. He said he saw today on the Big Ten Network where they were flashing this little doodad called It Happens Here. He said, huh, I thought to myself, what's happening here? Nothing. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing happening there this fall or this spring. Nope. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. I don't think we'll be able to play for you the entire um, audio file from uh, Lane Kiffin's Q&A with the media today, but uh, we'll play you about 10 minutes of it, and we'll do that when we uh, come back uh, after a timeout here in just a couple of minutes. Just kind of question and answer with media. You know, What have they been up to? Uh, what did they do the first day of practice? Some thoughts that he's got on quarterback. You know, probably some of the questions that you would expect to hear, but uh, given that there's been no football of any type to talk about whatsoever, uh, I think hearing from the uh, head football coaches here in the state of Mississippi is a, uh, a lovely idea. So Southern Miss, a couple of weeks into practice, had a scrimmage this weekend. South Alabama is in their third week of practice. Those two teams scheduled to play in 16 days. 17 days. 17 days. Thursday, September 3rd, two weeks from this Thursday night. We should go. Even as media. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick time out. Be right back. in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. About two and a half hours ago, we got the release from the Southeastern Conference on what the week one games would be. Alabama at Missouri. Florida in Oxford to take on Ole Miss, Georgia at Arkansas, Kentucky heads to the Plains to take on Auburn, Mississippi State down in Baton Rouge against LSU, Tennessee is at South Carolina, and Vanderbilt is at Texas A&M. 
Mississippi State will have its first practice leading into the new season tomorrow. Ole Miss got things started earlier today. And after practice was over, Lane Kiffin talked with Ole Miss media via Zoom. Here's what he had to say. You know, good to finally get out for the first day. Um, it's been a long wait. Uh, you know, having walkthroughs is a big difference in having practice. So um, finally got out there. Uh, got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, having missed spring practice and just watching guys and them getting used to how we practice and what our expectations and standards are. And um, so um, we were out there, but we have a long ways to go. All right, Lane, this being a different time, is there a uh, is there a number you guys have in terms of uh, positive case counts in which you say, okay, when we get here, we're going to take a step back. We might need to take a couple of days off. I mean, I know everybody has some cases that they manage, but is there a number where you look and say, we need to do something different? Well, we lean on our medical um staff on that so uh, we have not set an exact number um we we like where we're at um so you know we'll just go day by day and if it got to the point you know that we need to talk about shutting down then you know we'll talk about it but we're moving forward and um i just really listen to them and that's not really my expertise um, last night, Eli Johnson announced that he was going to be opting out of the season. Do you have any comment or statement? Have you spoken to him about that at this time? It's a nice setup. Where are you out there? Hunting? <laughs> um, I'm out working on um, an island in the Cape, Nantucket. Nice. Yeah. Got everything you need there. Got a fridge there? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I spoke with um, Eli. Um you know, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'll just press pause. For that. That's just some of what you're going to get at the Zoom call setting. So it's a video <laughs> call. And one of the I think it was one of the uh, guys that writes for the Daily Mississippi and is apparently working on Cape Cod this summer. Is not back yet? And uh, Lane was impressed with the backdrop. You like that? Hey, Dad? I'm going to come up with a Zoom backdrop and see if Leach says anything. You can you can download some different ones. You're going to do like a pirate ship backdrop, you think? I'll figure something out. I don't know. We might we get free advertising for Super Talk too. So I don't know which way I want to go with that. We'll figure it. There out. you go. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can alternate it up. So uh, here's Lane Kiffin on Eli Johnson. He made a decision, and you know we're fine with it. And you know told him that you know if he still wanted to be around, you know he was a you know big part of this team before, and so if he wanted to be around on you know nights before the games and meetings and stuff and on the sidelines, you know be more than happy to do that and um you know we respect his decision i guess just logistically following up on that before my question if he's around would he still have to continue to go through the normal protocols and testing and all that stuff if he's going to stay around the team i uh, we, we hadn't even got there yet you know I, I just i threw it out to him um in our conversation and just told him to check back you know in a week or two or something and and see if that's something he'd be interested in well, I guess moving on from that, just were you guys as a staff in a program surprised in general when you saw the Big Ten, Pac-12 decisions and just kind of the disconnect between where they're at and where the SEC seems to be at? Uh, I was not. Um, we, you know, I had heard a number of things that, that was going to happen. You know, first the, the Pac-12 a while back um, and then the Big Ten. So um, it really didn't come as a surprise. And, 
I, I would have kind of guessed if you would have said what two conferences, those would have been the two that I would have guessed. Um, Lane, can you just kind of talk us through what's different about practice now with these new protocols and just kind of what a day in the life is now that you guys are kind of trying to get practice going, but also stay safe? Yeah, I mean, there's things like, you know, our, our team meeting, you know, we had in the indoor, you know, with whatever, 100 chairs out there, you know, um, as opposed to having in the team room. Um, you know, there's nowhere to go. Like we get breaks in practice and can't go under tents and, you know, like we used to to cool down and things. So, um, it's a little bit challenging. Um, you know, but like I told the players, all right, everybody wants to fast 40 time. Everybody wants to lift weights, get strong. All right. So they play better and so they can win games. <clears throat> well, this is going to be more important than, than the shape you're in, how strong you are, how fast you are is, you know, the teams that handle this the best. Um, you know, and, and the players that are the safest, those teams probably going to win a lot of games, you know, because you could have some teams down significant players, especially when it comes to social distancing. If you don't handle that properly, all of a sudden a couple guys get it and, you know, you shut down 20 guys for two weeks, you know, what if that's your offensive line room? What do you do? You know, so um, just really challenge them to, to nail this thing when they're with us, they do great. But the challenge is when they're not with us. Yeah, Lane, obviously with Eli going down, um, what are the options at center? Who all are y'all looking at? Well, we'll put it, Ben was in there today, but we'll, we'll, we'll look at a couple different guys and, and move them around. You know, this was, this was last minute, so uh, we didn't have a long time to prepare for it. Uh, you know, it came as a surprise to us, so we'll work through it. Uh, going off of that, are there any other players who you've heard talking about opting out, or is Eli kind of the only one on the radar right now? I, I have not. Um, I asked our assistants, no, no one's heard of it. And so he was the only one and, um, you know, it was, was a very big surprise, especially, you know, the eve of training camp, you know, after all the summer work and, and workouts and, and walkthroughs and all those things. So it was a surprise. With some of your positions, like quarterback, especially where there's kind of a lot of competition, a lot of battles, do you guys feel like you have to make a decision quicker in a, kind of advanced, accelerated off-season training camp? Uh, you know, we don't ever put deadlines on those things, um, you know, because they answer themselves sometimes in a couple of days. They answer not till a couple of weeks into a season sometimes. So um, we don't put deadlines because I think you're forced to make a decision. Sometimes it's a wrong decision, especially having missed spring ball. So um, I would think they'd be a little bit later. I guess just in general on the quarterbacks, how are you kind of – evaluating the snaps going into this week with between those guys? They split snaps today um, with the ones and twos, so um, very very even snaps to start. When you say they, was that Matt and John Rice? Yes. Do you have an update at all on Sam Williams' status? I do not. He's, he's not here. That's all I got for you. With, with his absence, which guys are you kind of evaluating at that edge position? Uh, again, you know, um, moving people around and, and we play a couple different fronts. So, um, he was going to be utilized differently in, in the two different fronts. So, um, it'll be a collection of people. Hey coach, um, with today being the start of fall camp and also having happening to be the day where your guys schedule is going to be announced, just kind of what was the team's thoughts on just the excitement with that and being able to really sort of dive into camp and also figuring out today what your guys' schedule is going to look like this season? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't ask them. Um, 
you know, we're too focused on today. And, and that really, those are things down the road. You know, we try to teach them to, you know, really worry about the process, what we're in, you know, day by day and not worry about that. That's so far away. We, we barely, you know, line up in a formation right now, let alone worry about who we're playing, playing first. We know what 10 we're playing. So really don't matter what order they come. Lane, is, is the way you incorporate contact later in the week, will that be different than the way you would normally do it in a, in a typical year? Or is it, or is it, you'd have to do some things differently this time? Well, you know, we're, we're looking at that part. Really, the only difference is just, you know, shorter racks of plays, you know, so maybe you'd go eight plays so you're longer, you know, in the same spots, you know, you know, maybe going, you know, going shorter like today. We did four plays, you know, in the team and then switched. So just you know, probably probably same amount of reps, but just more groups, more sets within the reps, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, Lane. Hey, um, I was wondering how you guys are managing so much uncertainty right now. Uh, well, on the second part there, you know, like I said, you know, to them that I hope made sense to them is, you know, this will have as much to do with winning as, as anything, you know, what teams handle this the best and, and don't get, you know, obviously don't get Corona, but also when that happens, don't get, you know, contact traced, you know, where you weren't doing the right things. Now you're shut down for two weeks, even though you don't have it, you know? So, um, and that's a big challenge to them because I don't think it really happens. You know, everybody can pretend it happens away from here. But they got to go out of their way to do it because other kids aren't doing it. I mean, and, and adults drive through downtown, you know, so um, it's a big challenge for them. So that was Lane Kiffin there at the end, and, and I messed up that edit. But the, the question was about spreading guys out at practice, and he said they're legitimately trying to practice as much social distancing as they can in a practice setting. And his point was that you don't have – legitimate social distancing that's happening in other places. So some actual football talk, but also some uh, some caution you're hearing Lane Kiffin's voice. I, I think there's, I think a lot of football coaches have got some doubt as to what this is going to look like, but they've got to prepare because as it stands right now, football starts on September 26th. We'll hear from Mike Leach on Wednesday. Right now we'll take a timeout. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. over an hour from getting the entire schedule with dates for the SEC for 2020. Any predictions, hey, Dad? Probably nine more games for each team. If I had oh, that's ask. good. That's a good prediction. Going out on a limb there. Uh, I, I like my. I like your idea of uh, they gave the, the, the good teams, you know, sort of a softy in week one. Maybe they, they match them up. And LSU, Florida, not to say State and Ole Miss are softies or anything, but could we see Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, Florida week two? That would be a, a heck of a, uh, a doubleheader. I wonder if everybody that plays at home in week one will be on the road in week two and vice versa. You would think so, right? You wouldn't think they'd make somebody start with two on the road. 
Yeah. So Mississippi State potentially at home in week two against who? Well, we have five options. We have A&M, Auburn, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Okay. So based on your theory of maybe get us an easier team week two, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick I'm gonna go with the East. I'm gonna go with, with, with Vanderbilt. So you think Vanderbilt in Starkville in week two? Ole Miss opens at home against Florida. Right. And then they gotta go on the road in week two. But Arkansas starts at home, so Arkansas wouldn't be an option. Right. In our theory here. Yeah. Yes, in, in this theoretical situation. In theory. Yeah. So who who are Ole Miss's other road games? Texas A and M. Yeah. Can't be But A and M is at home. Can't be Vanderbilt because we just put them at state. Let's see, Ole Miss's home games this year are we know now Florida. Right. Well, that was a home game already. Yeah, yeah. We already Alabama. Yeah. Um maybe go to Lexington in week two. Okay. Is Auburn is Auburn, Kentucky, where is that game being played? It's on the plains. All right. Well then I think we may we may have cracked the code. Just maybe. I mean I I guess it could be anything, but yeah, we don't know for sure. Just feels like that wouldn't be crazy to see Ole Miss going to Kentucky in uh, in week number two. It feels like things are getting worse for Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. Adam Rittenberg tweeted this earlier today, and there uh, Dennis Dobbs is kind of uh, or Dennis Dodd rather has uh, kind of corroborated it. Penn State athletic director Sandy Barber on the Big Ten decision. Quote. It is unclear to me whether or not there was a vote. No one's ever told me there was. I just don't know whether there actually was a vote by the chancellors and presidents. Close quote. Remember, we heard initially it was 12 to 2 in favor of not playing. And then we were told, eh, it wasn't 12 to 2, it was more like 8 to 6. And now we're being told, yeah, it wasn't really actually a vote. And there was, I think it was the chancellor at Minnesota who said, it was kind of a collaborative effort where maybe we reached a group decision. Feels like this is like the substitute teacher showed up. Like, oh, we weren't going to have the test today. We were just going to talk about having the test. Like, they are backtracking so hard on this. Who Who is the substitute teacher, though, in this scenario? Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren is the substitute teacher. Jim Delaney is the real teacher. He's retired, and they... They brought this person in to try to finish out the semester, and it's not going so well. Is it your belief that Kevin Warren's son will be in practice for Mississippi State when they begin tomorrow? That is everything I have been led to believe says yes, which I'm looking forward to requesting him and then never getting to talk to him. Because <laughs> yeah. they know what the question We're not going to be asking any questions. Powers, how are you fitting into Mike Leach's system, and how soon will your dad be unemployed? Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, tough. I mean... I don't know that Powers Warren is sitting around listening to Sports Talk Mississippi or any other radio show right now. But Really surprised by that. He's not operating in a bubble either, and he, well, I mean, kind of he is. but Kind of is, yeah. Everybody is kind of, but, you know, 
You understand what I'm saying. He's not yeah. operating in a social media bubble or a social media vacuum. He sees the criticism. Mm-hmm. And and maybe he's like, you know what? Tough deal for Dad right now, but I sure am glad I chose to play in the SEC instead of the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm ready to play football. Such an odd situation, too. With And Kevin Warren saying that I don't have a problem with my son playing football. We'll have to make some hard decisions. I mean, it's just... It's just really weird, you know? It's just yeah. odd. But There was one piece of basketball news that came out today. Dan Gavitt, who oversees college basketball for the NCAA, released a statement that said, as we prepare for the college basketball season, we have exercised patience and discipline in monitoring the effects of COVID-19 and making decisions regarding the season. We've learned a great deal over the course of the summer, and with health and safety being our priority, we have developed and studied contingency plans for alternatives to the scheduled November 10 start date. By mid-September, we will provide direction, that's a month from now, about whether the season and practice start on time or a short delay is necessitated by the ongoing pandemic. We recognize we are living and operating in an uncertain time, and it is likely that mid-September will just be the first milestone for many important decisions pertaining to the regular season and the NCAA basketball championships. The NCAA is going to move. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. is spinning records on a Monday. That's Al right there. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for joining us along for the ride. Richard Cross and Brian Haydad. Michael Borky will be back tomorrow after a little time away for a vacation. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Be honest. You know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at Ceasefire equip your organization with reliable high-speed internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems plus 24-7 local support so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. It feels different today. The College Football Fix, we've got a schedule. We know who the teams are on week number one. We're going to know weeks 2 through 10 or games 2 through 10 in less than an hour. This feels different. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer and check out the summer sales event. Great savings on the entire lineup of SUVs. Brian, hey, Dad, what do you say we do a little, oh, a little opponent preview? Let's do it. I'm excited. You, li- 
You, you like that? Real Mississippi football. State will open against LSU in Baton Rouge on September 26th. What do you think? Night game? I mean, wouldn't it have to be? I mean, gosh, I mean as much as, yes, but it's LSU. It's LSU. The only I don't think that's your two thirty game. And I, I think that's probably going to go to Alabama. Um, yeah, that, that sort of strikes me as a six o'clock ESPN kind of kickoff. So yeah, all I right. Think we'll be, so uh, so the slate once again: Alabama at Missouri, Florida at Ole Miss, Georgia at Arkansas, Kentucky at Auburn. I'm going to say Kentucky at Auburn is the afternoon time slot. Okay, you yeah. think? Two what? Two thirty CBS. I mean, are we assuming in this new world that CBS is still going to get the first pick? Yes, we are making that assumption. So are they taking Kentucky at Auburn? Mississippi State at LSU? They're not going to Missouri for Alabama in in week one, are they? You never know. Tennessee at South Carolina? No. I mean, I feel like it comes down to, to those two that you meant or that we mentioned a second ago, either Kentucky, Auburn, or Mississippi State, LSU. I, I realize we're putting the cart before the horse right now right. in terms of, well, what are the TV times going to be? Eh, well, maybe we'll get there in uh, in due time. LSU went fifteen and zero last year. They return three starters from that record-setting offense and five starters on defense. We'll get in a second to what LSU lost on the offensive side, listen to what they lost defensively. LSU last year had Jacob Phillips lead the team with 113 tackles. Gone. Patrick Queen, 85 tackles. Gone. Grant Delpit, 65 tackles, two interceptions. Gone. Kalevon Chason, six and a half sacks, 60 tackles. Six quarterback hurries, gone. Christian Fulton, locked down on the outside. Broke up 14 passes and had an interception, gone. Rashard Lawrence, Michael Divinity, all gone. So, what's coming back for LSU on the defensive side? Will they get Jacoby Stevens back? He was the second leading tackler on the team a year ago. Damone Clark returns. He had three and a half sacks, and they thought Kerry Vincent was coming back. Well, not so fast. Earlier today, Brody Miller tweets, LSU defensive back Kerry Vincent opts out of the 2020 season. That's the second LSU player to opt out following defensive tackle Neil Farrell. Vincent would have been a three-year starter. He says he's going to get ready for the NFL draft. And that puts even more weight on the shoulders of the outstanding Derek Stingley Jr. And he is outstanding. But that's a hit for a potent LSU secondary. Now, they did add a grad transfer who I'm very interested to see, uh, Jabril Cox, who played last year at North Dakota State. And he was a, he has been an All-American three times up there in the, uh, in the, uh, in playing for the Bison. Uh, he coming down to LSU, they expect him to be a big piece to sort of fill the role that you you mentioned. Divinity and Queen are both gone now. They expect him to be to be a a big piece in their defense this year. All right, so that's what LSU lost on the defensive side. 
Let's talk about what they lost on the offensive side. This is staggering. Now, but 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 before, I mean, if, if you're using just who they lost to go, well, LSU's not going to be any good. I mean, there's a reason that they're still picked they, they second in the West. Yeah. That roster is stacked. But on the offensive side, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 16 touchdowns on the ground and over 1,400 yards rushing. I think people lose sight of the fact that Joe Burrow ran it for almost 400 yards last year. Yeah. Joe Burrow, <laughs> video game. It's, 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 Vid- it's funny to say, yeah. Let me say it out loud. 76.3% completions. 402 of 527 for 5,671 yards and a 10-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio 60 touchdown passes, six interceptions. Pretty good. I mean, if I told you 10 to 1 TD to picks and you're going, wow, he threw 20 touchdown passes, it was only intercepted twice. No, no, 60 and 6. Trying to see here. The most amazing individual season throwing the football in the history of the Southeastern Conference. But it sounds Dak, like you're talking about Timmy Chang at Hawaii. Yeah, Dak's senior year, he threw 29 touchdowns to five picks, and I thought, man, that's really, really solid. Six to one. Sixty to six. Yeah. It's something different, man. Unbelievable. And and you know the offensive numbers. I mean, last year against Mississippi State, 36 to 13. That was in Starkville, mm-hmm. and that was when Mississippi State held LSU to field goals on like its first three offensive possessions or three of its first four, yeah. something like that. Played not poorly defensively in that game. Played okay. Beat Clemson in the national championship game 42-25. to Their SEC championship game win against Georgia was 37-10. to So, in terms of the game with Mississippi State, LSU is 18-2 and against Mississippi State since the year 2000. And they have won 13 of the last 14 in Baton Rouge. That one, though, was great. Great win. It's a special night. A lot of fun. It's funny how the LSU-Mississippi State rivalries shifted when Jackie Sherrill arrived. They were actually relatively close when Sherrill took over, and then he never beat them. He beat them twice in his entire tenure there. Miles Brennan, the Mississippi native, expected to be the starter for LSU at quarterback, 6'5", 212 pounds. He completed 60% of his passes last year. In limited action, 24 of 40, 353 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. I'm so intrigued to see what LSU's offense is going to look like. John Emery is expected to be the um, kind of the, the lead ball carrier for LSU. Emery had uh, 39 rushing attempts, averaged almost five yards a carry, four touchdowns a year ago. Kind of feels like in terms of running the football, John Emery is just going to be the next in a line of Backs for LSU that are really, really good. And you remember two years ago, we're like, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's this guy? Yeah. He was good. Yeah, good player. Really good. Could do it all. Yeah. What do you like most about LSU's team right now? Well, you know that they're talented. They're going to have a lot of confidence. Um, I like Jamar Chase. He's probably the best receiver in college football. Um, you know, and. 
I like that. I think Ed Orgeron has, has, has sort of evolved into the kind of coach who, who can figure things out. So if something's not working, I, I believe it or not, I trust Ed Orgeron to try to find a way to make it work. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. I miss all the liberal politics. Sports speculation is just okay. Hearing you get called a libtard every week was amazing. Either way. Greg likes Will's music. He says, Will, you are the man. Here's one. Relax, guys. Quit making predictions. Y'all sound like a bunch of Democrats. What are you talking about? Richard Wiggins, he's excited about the football. He says, man, I'm doing jumping jacks for you guys. Yes, football. Cody and Tupelo says, if state versus LSU is 13 and a half or greater, you got to be all over state, right? Maybe. Somebody says, Chris Curry is going to be the number one running back for LSU, not John Emery. We shall see. He was pretty highly thought of as well. We'll be back. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. on the ceasefire text line tells us the final score between LSU and Mississippi State is 38-27 LSU. He says this is the correct score. Book it. I can see that. You could. Yeah. Okay. That could be a little could be a little higher scoring than that. To be honest. Uh, let's see. No name attached to this, but somebody said Chris Curry is running back number one, not John Emery Quinn, who is big LSU fan and a regular here, says that he thinks Emery is going to have a breakout year. Saw him a few weeks ago, and he is a specimen. Big-time recruit. He certainly was that. Greg and Nettleton says, if I'm Coach Leach, I'm giving my young guy Schrader every chance to blow the game before I make a change. I love that kid for some reason. Go dogs. I don't know what he's talking about. Are we talking about the quarterback position? <laughs> Schrader won't be starting. Mm, no. No. I don't believe so. Hey, you remember earlier in the show we had uh, Brett McMurphy tweeting about the projected lines for the opening games of SEC play? And he was using the projections of Colin Wilson, who is a senior writer for the Action Network. And we thought a couple of the lines were like, meh, you sure? You you, you sure about that? Because might want to get in on some of that action. Here's what they were. Texas A&M is a 37-point favorite against Vanderbilt. LSU is a 26-point favorite at home against Mississippi State. Georgia, a 24-point favorite at Arkansas. Bama, 19.5 at Missouri. Auburn, an 11-point favorite at home against Kentucky. Seems high. Florida, an 8-point favorite at Ole Miss. And he had South Carolina and Tennessee as a pick Hey, Dad, that left you scratching your head a bit, didn't it? I took up for that guy a little bit, but but now I don't want to anymore. Oh, why? Why is it that you don't want to take up for him now? Because he has because he has released some more lines. And he's he has released made, a few more lines for some other SEC games that make you go, uh, well. He has installed Ole Miss as a sixteen and a half point favorite in the Egg Bowl. And there, there's no build up for you in radio, is there? <laughs> 
Like, like, None. like, we're not going to build right up to, to like, there's a punchline and we were going to work our way to that and get no. to that. That was going to no. be the big finish. And you're like, well, let's no. just go right I'm, to the end. I'm, 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 I'm irked by, by this. I, and I put it, I put it out there on Twitter. Name the stakes, buddy. If you're going to give me state 16 and a half points in the egg bowl, look, I'm not saying state's going to win. I think I would take state to win right now. I'm but, shocked. Well, I mean, I mean, why shouldn't I? But that said, 16 and a half? Come on. Come on. So, yeah, if I hope, hopefully I can, I can get in on this. You just completely derailed an entire segment. You'll live. He had Auburn and LSU as a pick em. LSU is a one-point favorite over Alabama. See, where are we going? I don't get this. Florida by three. Hey, hey, he loves Florida and he loves A&M. Florida by three over LSU. A&M by four over LSU. Bama by two over Georgia. By three over A&M. Seven over Auburn. Georgia favored against Florida and against Auburn. Auburn favored by 11 at Kentucky. Texas A&M favored against Florida. Ole Miss and Kentucky is a pick 'em, and Ole Miss is a sixteen and a half point favorite against Mississippi State. No, Whew. even you know, even you know that that's not right. I think that's a big number. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really big number. Ole Miss's opening weekend opponent is the Florida Gators. It will happen in Oxford if things go as planned. Florida returns six starters on the offensive side and six starters on the defensive side. Picked by most to be second in the SEC East. Kyle Trask, you remember his story from a year ago, did not begin the season as the starter. In fact, had not begun any season as a starter since he was in ninth grade. But he came on and he played really well last year. Kyle Trask ran it for eight yards, but he did have four touchdowns on the ground. Completed 67% of his passes for just shy of 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. On the offensive side, Florida loses LaMichael Pirine who had six touchdowns. Damian Pierce and Emory Jones are both back. And Emory Jones, I guess, was the uh, was the backup quarterback last year. So Franks got hurt. Trask came in. Jones played a little bit. Maybe the most important player on that offense last year is former Ole Miss wide receiver Van Jefferson, who transferred out. Out of Ole Miss to Gainesville. Played and played well. Six touchdowns on 49 catches, had 657 yards receiving. David Reese was the leading tackler a year ago for Florida. He's gone. They got a bunch of guys back, though, that were big-time tacklers for the uh, for the Gators last season. I just got a text message from, uh, from our good friend Michael Borky complaining about Egg Bowl point spreads in August. Nature is healing. That's right, baby. I like it. I like it. Where should Ole Miss's concern be bigger? In dealing with Florida's offense, with the defense that it has, or in scoring points against Florida's defense? 
I mean, Florida defensively, they, they lost some big pieces this past year. So they did. I think Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss can. You know, Kiffin's a great play caller. You've got some weapons there. I'm interested to see what they do with Plumley. But you know, with Ely and Connor in the backfield, Moore is a good receiver, and, and Corral can be an accurate passer. You know, the offensive line worries me a little bit for Ole Miss, especially losing Eli Johnson. You know, that's that's a good piece there. Uh, I, I would be more worried about scoring in that game, but I do, I do think Ole Miss can score. Hey, do you think Colin Wilson's calling me right now? I got a number popping up from Las Vegas. It could be. Do you do you talk to him on a regular basis? I've never talked to him before in my life. I'm just wondering if maybe he's already gotten word that you were calling him out on the radio for bad point spreads that were projections. These aren't even official point spreads. This isn't like Bet US Online or, or Covers.com putting them out. If it was the other way around and State was a 16 and a half point favorite, I would tell you to take Ole Miss. I don't think either by anybody's winning that at the Egg Bowl this year by that large a margin. Yeah. You know, you, you've only got 10, and they're all in the league. And other than, you know, Vanderbilt and Arkansas, you don't really look at them and just go automatically, that's a win. Right. There are tougher assignments for Ole Miss that they could have gotten in week one. But there are also a lot easier assignments that they could have gotten. You, you, you think about it for a second. You, you know what Alabama's got, and, and Mac Jones is really talented. But in LSU, you're dealing with a new starting quarterback. In, in Georgia, you're dealing with a new starting quarterback. Florida's got and new, and a got proven new commodity too. at quarterback. Florida does, yeah. And don't forget with Georgia and LSU, both new systems too. That's new true. of coordinators in there. And that, for LSU, that is true that's, on that's, both accounts. That's the most intriguing thing to me for LSU. Is Scott Linehan was not a good offensive coordinator in the NFL, I don't think. But now they've got to replace you know the wonderkind with him. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you on this um, Monday afternoon, about half an hour away from the uh, beginning of the show where they're going to release the entire schedule for the uh, for the SEC. And you know, I don't I don't know if it's like isolated to sitting here in this studio and you being in that studio. It just feels like there's some positive momentum. Yeah, you know, last week was there, good. But... It was like college football was crumbling in a lot of different places on Monday and Tuesday, and then things kind of stabilized last weekend or last week. The SEC said we're going to keep we're going we're going to keep moving forward, and then the ACC said the same thing, and then the Big Twelve said the same thing. And yeah, we got students back on campus, and yeah, people aren't wearing masks. But look, North Carolina, after a week of clusters of positive tests has already gone to all online instruction. Certainly not going to be surprised if most of the schools in the country finish this first semester with nothing but online instruction. The the thing that you're asking is for your football players to not make terrible decisions away from practice. Maybe that's asking a lot. But I think there's something to the idea that you got a bunch of college football players looking around going, man, 
There are two leagues where they're not even trying to play. All the people that are in charge of this, they're, they're trying to give us a chance. Maybe we need to do our part. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. We had the quote from Tom Mars where he said plaintiffs, lawyers were playing for conference or praying for conferences like the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 to move forward with their greed. Now you got Tom Mars going after the Big 10 for a lack of transparency. I mean, the guy doesn't care where his bread is buttered as long as it's buttered, right? We'll make that bread, man. That's what that's all. That's what this life's all about. Making that money. I, I guess. I, I guess so. We don't. All, we don't all have that Richard Cross money just sitting around. You know. No. No, we don't. It's a good gig if you can get it. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We better talk offline sometime. <laughs> Tell you some stories you might not want, <laughs> might not want to know. Um, Ceasefire text lines open 601-879-4395. I don't know if I can re- read that one. So I was looking on Twitter during the break a second ago, and oh. <laughs> no, you can't read that one. No. You're talking about, about Tom Mars? Yes. You can yeah, it'd probably find me sued. So, Go Heels, which is the North Carolina official athletic Twitter handle, right. tweets a statement from Carolina Athletics. Our student athletes will continue to attend online classes and may choose to remain in their current on and off campus residences. Workouts and practices will continue under the standards set by our university health officials and department. We are still expecting to play this fall, and we will continue to evaluate the situation in coordination with the university, the ACC, state and local officials, and health officials. The health and safety of our student-athletes, coaches, and staff, and community remains our priority. And then this guy has an immediate response from the News and Observer, Raleigh, North Carolina, newspaper guy. The ACC is going to drag this out for another three or four weeks, but the end is inevitable. How can you continue to argue they're student-athletes when it's no longer safe for students to be on campus? What world are, are these media people living in? What, what? Okay, First of all, you weren't going to have many students on campus because nobody's doing any significant number of their classes in person anyway. Right. 
for most everybody, it's a hybrid model regardless, where you've got 20% of your classes are going to be in person. 10% of your classes are going to be in person. I got a buddy who's got a son who's going to be a, a freshman in college this fall. He's got five classes. Four and a half of them are online. He has a lab that will meet once a week. That makes sense. That he's got to attend in person. No. It's not ideal. It's not what the college learning environment is supposed to be like. But this just in, we're dealing with a global pandemic. It's just the reality for right now. It's not going to last forever. It's okay. So what do we do? We adjust on the fly. North Carolina brought a bunch of people back last week. A week or two ago, a bunch of people tested positive. So what do they do? They make the adjustment. And we're going we're to do online only. Probably not going to refund you any money. But we're going to do online only. So why does that embolden the blue checkmark people to go, see, we told you they're not student athletes. Well, yeah, they are. Is student athlete a punchline? Yes. But by definition, they are going to college on a scholarship and playing a sport. So they are student athletes. It's maybe, just maybe I'm making, a phrase. Maybe I'm making a stretch here. Maybe I am. I don't know. But, you know, if all the students are going offline, online, <clears throat> and I mean, then there's no there's no difference between the football player and the chemistry major there, and the chemistry major is still allowed to attend, you know, various school functions. My guess is not everything is shut down, social clubs, things of that nature. They're still going to be going to that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about social clubs like at the bar. I'm talking about like campus activities. Not to say that football is on the same level as those things. It's not. You know, football is a lot different, but. The, the people who are going to classes are going to still partake in, in activities and stuff, and so the athletes are going to do the same. It's just that simple. Here's a newsflash. Now, now, now this point. is partly the NCAA's fault, hey, Dad, okay. because they've been real big on saying there's no difference between students and student-athletes, which is I'm the stupidest thing them. we've ever heard anyway. I'm down to blame them. You don't have to twist my arm on that. Yeah, but, but I mean, the idea of saying there's no difference in students and student-athletes anyway is, oh, really? Have you ever looked in the mirror? You know, you're, I mean, with with no disrespect intended, your random chemistry major that's 5'8", 145, or 5'8", 345, whichever it is, ain't playing basketball at North Carolina. You know why? Because they're not 6'8", 230, and chisel with a great jumper and can jump out of the gym. Of course there's a difference. There's a difference in everything we do in life. Well, Richard, why don't you treat the athletes differently? We do treat them differently. That's the thing. We can have an intelligent conversation, but it doesn't always have to be about pay for, pay for play. The name, image, likeness stuff's going to happen. It's going to give them a chance to make some more money. They're getting cost of attendance stipends. They're getting Pell Grants. They're getting food. They're getting medical care. Etc. Etc. All the stuff that we've been through over and over and over. I, I don't even understand what the end goal is for people anymore. Can we just drop the charade of student athlete? Well, they are getting an education. That's the student piece of it, and they play a sport. That's the athlete piece of it. I don't even know what the charade is anymore. 
Guess what? The full scholarship student athlete gets more, significantly more, than the full scholarship academic student. Academic student may get, they may get their room and their board and cost of attendance and what, but they don't get the medical care. They don't have access to the massage therapist. They don't have to access to all the same tutors. There is more for the student athlete. I'm just weary of the whole. Oh, okay, you want to, you want to give them more, okay? But it's not this awful, terrible, unfair existence. It's not a bad way to go through four or five or six years of your life as a college athlete. Why do we continue to try and pretend like it is? Why has being a college athlete become such a vilified, like, bully pulpit position for sports writers? Well, and then the same token, sometimes they, they, they go the opposite route and they take up for them too much. So I don't know. No, I mean, that's what they're – I mean, when I say – Bully pulpit, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Like, like that, that's their pet cause. These kids need to, when can we drop the charade of student athlete? If it's not safe for students, how's it safe for student athletes? Well, it's safe for student athletes because they're treated differently. Yeah. Well, the NCAA says they're no different. Well, the NCAA is being treated we differently. All know it's because the sport is going. The sports are going on. If sports aren't going on, they they cease to be treated differently. And you just send them to class and and hope for the best. By the way, did you see the headline in the Daily Tar Heel? Yeah, can't say that on the air. Whew. No asterisks. I thought no the Daily Mississippian got a, had a good one last year with the Glenn Boyce thing, but this one really topped it. It says UNC has a cluster beep on its hands and spelled cluster it out. 17. Yeah, but they didn't use the number. No. I, I, I just don't even understand anymore. Somebody says it's the the amount of money the institution is making off the athletes. <sighs> yes. Yes. Athletics departments make lots of money. They spend That's lots of money. I'm in and, favor of name image likeness and letting those guys get a little bit of a something back. Tim and McGee says the NCAA will be out of business within the next five to ten years. Could be. Here we go. All Ole Missers, OMers, think the NCAA is stupid. Well, if you don't, then that's a you thing. That's a you problem, not my issue. If you don't think the NCAA is stupid, I I don't know you, and you'll forgive me for this judgment, but I kind of think you're stupid. If you don't look at the leadership model, the president of the NCAA, the enforcement model, the selective enforcement, the way they go about making statements, the way they constantly contradict themselves and are short-sighted and are myopic, then I can't help you. And that's whether Ole Miss is on probation or not, friend.
Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Cardinals Cubs tied at one, top of the seventh inning at Wrigley. Toronto's at Baltimore tonight. Boston in New York, game four of that series. First three have gone the way of the Bronx Bombers. Washington is in Atlanta. The Mets are in South Florida to take on Miami. Detroit goes to the White Sox tonight. By the way, Casey Mize, uh, former Auburn pitcher, former number one overall pick, got called up today by the Detroit Tigers. There's an argument to be made that that should have happened uh, already, but uh, finally does. Kansas City is at Minnesota. Cubs and Cardinals will play game two of their doubleheader a little bit later this evening. San Diego is at Texas. Colorado is at Houston. Oakland is at Arizona. And Brian Haydad's San Francisco Giants headed to the Big A at the uh, Los Angeles Angels tonight. 8 and 15 San Francisco, 7 and 15 Los Angeles. The whole 16 team playoff thing was supposed to be to get Mike Trout in the playoffs, right? Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Seattle's at Imagine the Dodgers that. as well. Didn't wasn't San Francisco like 7 and 7 and now they're 8 and 15? They've lost 6 of the last 7, yeah. So. Mm. So. Tough hey, slide. Thing we didn't talk about today. Well, football Tell football related thing. The SWAC actually released their spring schedules. Okay. So, you know, they're ahead of the Big Ten. They've got the schedules up. Uh, Everybody's kind of ahead of the Big Ten, aren't they? It feels that way. It does. But Alcorn, Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, they know who they're playing uh, this uh, start. I think it starts in February. Yeah, what are the dates? Are you got it up? I just had it. Hold on one second. By the way, Toronto... Beat Brooklyn 134-110. Oh, okay, here we go. Denver beat Utah in overtime 135-125. Philadelphia and Boston playing right now. Boston with a first-quarter lead over the Philadelphia 76ers. Ten-game season starting February 27th. Conference championship game May 12th. There's a designated bye week for each team uh, during the week of March 13th, and that coincides with the SWAC men's and women's basketball tournament. So there will be no football that week. Alcorn starts this season off on the road at Alabama A&M. Jackson State and Mississippi Valley State, that's week one in the SWAC, so that's cool. I guess that'll be at Memorial Stadium. And uh, Valley actually opens the home season March 6th against Alabama A&M. Walter from Houston says, so glad we get Borky back tomorrow so we can talk about the NBA playoffs. Giving you a couple of score updates today. I think he's being sarcastic. Oh, I was going to say. I mean, did you did you want a deep dive in the um, in the Jazz Nuggets game? <laughs> Wonder if Terrence Davis played today for uh, the Raptors. Played twelve minutes, eleven points in twelve minutes for TD today. Very efficient. Pretty good. Yeah, his plus minus was uh, off the charts. If you really want to dive in. No, not all. He was plus seven in the plus. I, I know you don't. I don't, 
I don't think we want to do that. I know you don't. Hey, you want to watch it? SEC Network is uh, where you can watch it live. The schedule reveal that starts at six o'clock tonight, two o'clock uh, this afternoon. We got the first seven games, so all seven SEC teams to start the year. Alabama at Missouri, Florida at Ole Miss, Georgia at Arkansas, Kentucky at Auburn, Mississippi State at LSU, Tennessee at South Carolina, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. Hey, I don't know if you saw this today or not, but the uh, Kansas City Chiefs released their attendance plan. Yeah. Arrowhead Stadium is going to open at 22% capacity to begin the year. There we go. And they are going to allow tailgating directly behind your vehicle in the parking lot with people who are seated in your pod. I don't know exactly what the pod yeah. system is going to look like. Something, yeah. though. You can, you can eat bratwurst and drink beer in the parking uh, lot outside of We should get some news on that, shouldn't we? And now that the schedule's out and the dates are here, we should start getting some ideas from the universities about attendance and about tailgating policies. I would imagine that that's the next thing to come. Yeah, Governor Reeves said today that there would be a policy in place in advance of Southern Miss's game against South Alabama on September 3rd, which is th- two weeks from Thursday night. There we go. So, and I would tend to believe that the policy that goes into place for that is a lot like what it will be for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I don't know if it's going to be like a one-size-fits-all thing or if it will be individualized you know, based on plans that the universities submit. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow as we get the entire SEC schedule. We will walk through Mississippi State schedule. We'll walk through Ole Miss's schedule, game by game on both of those, and uh, we'll kind of look around at the other interesting stuff in the league. Thanks for being with us on this Monday for Michael Borky, Will East. Thanks for all your work over the last few days while Borky's been out. Always enjoy it. Thank you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi. Good night. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.